Welcome. Uh, this is Student Activist Hub Radio. Uh, I am your host, uh, Kevin, with Adam. Hello, hello. Uh, and we have a, a very uh, jam-packed show uh, today. We have uh, two special guests that will be joining us, and we're going to talk about the upcoming midterm elections on Tuesday, uh, November 2nd, uh, and they've gotten a lot of media attention. So what we're going to try to do is cover them from a different angle and talk about uh, some of the issues that are affecting uh, the voting process here in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, and you know some of the local races uh, that are uh, contested here. Yeah, that's right. Um, so uh, in uh, a couple minutes, we are going to be speaking with uh, Denise Lieberman, who is the senior attorney for the Advancement Project. Um, and she's going to be talking a little bit about a coalition of civil uh, civil rights, community, faith organizations that are all um, going to be uh, working at the polls, uh, making sure that everyone's votes are counted. Uh, and I think she's going to talk a little bit about some of the, there have been some signs already in early voting, uh, some instances where it seems like there's some voter intimidation going on, some issues happening where people uh, seem like they are potentially being disenfranchised. So she's going to talk all about that. And uh, perhaps most importantly, she's going to tell all of us, uh, what our rights are at the as voters um, when we go to the polls, um, what we need to know uh, when we're allowed to vote, uh, etc., um, so that we're prepared to uh, make sure that we're able to vote uh, on Tuesday, like hopefully most people are. Yeah. Um, and then and, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, and while uh, you know, while we're on the, the subject, uh, I just wanted to bring it home when people uh, talk about voter intimidation, uh, you know. Uh, a lot of times what comes up is uh, the ACORN uh, uh, issue and the ACORN uh, sort of, you know, false scandal uh, that occurred uh, where a community organization was accused by many conservative and Tea Party activists uh, of um, nefarious activity, and it turned out after investigations it wasn't true. Uh, and, and what that was was, uh, you know, an effort by what some people consider that is to be an effort at voter intimidation. So I think uh, we our guest, uh, Denise, is on the line. Uh, yep, and we will be speaking with her in just a second. Denise, Denise can you hear us? Yes. Hey. I'm here. Hi. Uh, great. Uh, excellent, to, um, excellent to be speaking with you. Um, this is Adam. Uh, I'm here with uh, my co-host, Kevin Wolf, who you might know. <laughs> Um, but yes. <laughs> uh, we are going to. Yeah, hey, Denise. Uh, hey, Professor Lieberman. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, Kevin. Kevin had a class with uh, yes, I Denise did. <laughs> Lieberman uh, previously. So and there's there's some technical issues. So at this point, I can't hear your end. I can hear Adam, but I can't hear your end. So I'll be in the conversation shortly. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, we're uh, we're working on that. But I guess in the meantime, I will be um, asking some questions. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us, Denise. We're really um, honored that you could be with us and uh, we know that you're working on very uh, important issues so thanks so much for for speaking with us thanks so much for having me adam okay and so denise you are a uh, lawyer with the uh, a senior lawyer attorney with the advancement project um and you are um, a part of a big coalition of groups that's going to be working on uh, voter protection issues this election so can you describe a little bit about just sort of what the goals are of the project um why you think it's important um and, and what you're working on as a coalition. Absolutely. Thanks. Um, 
The Advancement Project, a civil rights organization for which I work, is involved um, with a lot of other nonprofit community groups who are working to ensure that all voters have who are eligible to vote have a right to cast a ballot on Election Day and have their vote count. Uh, we make up a, an ad hoc nonpartisan coalition, uh, the Voter Protection Coalition, and we uh, rally around uh, Election Day to ensure that voters know what their rights are and have the ability to assert their rights so that they are able to cast a ballot on Election Day. Okay, um, that sounds really good. Um, I, uh, Kevin and I have been um, reading the local news lately, and there's been a lot of stories in the news about how um, there are potential um, issues of voter intimidation going on around the country. Um, we're a little worried that maybe something similar might happen in St. Louis. Um, so could you speak a little about some of the things that have been happening in the country that you might be worried about um, and, and what people should be aware of? Sure, sure. Yeah, th and this has been getting a lot of news coverage all over the country, and it's something that um, we here in St. Louis are also concerned about. Uh, we are going to have um, plenty of attorneys and volunteer poll monitors standing by on Election Day to help voters with any type of voting problem that they may experience. But we're particularly concerned um, about what we're seeing nationwide as a, as a rise in um, – so-called ballot security efforts, where um, political operatives and private citizens take it upon themselves to police the voter rolls and voting booths. And in states across the country, especially where there are hotly contested races going on, um, there's increased rhetoric we're seeing that's stoking fears about voter fraud um, and organized campaigns that are designed to target this fraud. Now, I, I, this is a fallacy because, in fact, there's little to no in-person voter fraud at the polls on Election Day. Now, that's not to say that there's not voter fraud anywhere in the process, um, but where it occurs tends to be, say, in the absentee voting process or other processes outside of the polling place. Um, study after study shows that, that in fact, this is in-person voter fraud on Election Day is, is, is very, very rare, primarily because most of the problems are caught well before Election Day. Um, and so we are monitoring um, the potential for uh, several kinds of um, tactics that could end up um, disenfranchising voters or leaving them confused about what their rights are and whether they have a right to vote. Um, and so in particular, we're seeing the, the increase of voter challengers at the polls. Now, these are people who have a right to be in the polls. They are people who are credentialed by each of the two political parties, by the Democrats and by the Republicans, um, and they have a right to stand inside the polls um, and monitor operations, and they, they have a right under Missouri law to challenge the eligibility of a voter. Um, and what we're seeing this year are calls by campaigns and other political operatives to be very, very aggressive in challenging voters' eligibility, particularly in um, certain kinds of areas. And what we've seen in the past is that these voter challenges tend to have a disparate impact on minority voters, tend to be concentrated in African-American precincts, um, 
In other states, they also tend to be concentrated in Latino precincts uh, and in urban precincts. Who are the? Concern- oh. I'm sorry. Go ahead, uh, Professor Lieberman. Uh, this is uh, Kevin. Um, who are the types of people uh, who are encouraging these aggressive challenges to the voters? Uh, you mentioned uh, uh, earlier that there was there is an uptick of, of sort of aggressive challenges. Where where is that where is that uh, encouragement coming from? Right. Um, in some cases, they're coming from the organized political parties. In other cases, they're coming from sort of fringe um, groups that are not directly I- involved in a particular campaign. Um, across the country, what you're seeing are um, sort of Tea Party. Um, websites, recruiting poll watchers, uh, others um, sort of conservative right-wing websites, recruiting in, even individual voters to almost take sort of vigilante action to ensure that um, voter fraud doesn't take place by challenging voters. Um, and the concern that we have is that um, is that both poll workers and voters themselves may be confused about what that means. Just because a challenger is allowed to be in the polls and just because a challenger is allowed to challenge a voter's eligibility doesn't mean that that person can't vote. In fact, what the law says is that they're only allowed to challenge if they believe that there really is a violation of the law taking place by that voter and that they're not, in fact, eligible to vote. but they appear very official. In most cases, they're going to be attorneys. They're standing there in suits. And what we're concerned about is that aggressive challenges that are not based on legitimate legal grounds may end up unduly influencing poll workers who don't maybe know how to handle um, challenges when they occur or intimidate voters into thinking that they can't actually vote. What's supposed to happen in that circumstance is that it's up to the poll worker to decide whether the voter can actually vote. Challengers in the polls, they can talk, but they don't have any final say in whether you can cast a ballot on Election Day. That poll worker is supposed to look you up, and if you're a duly registered voter in that precinct, you've got a right to cast a ballot, regardless of whether someone challenges your eligibility. Professor Lieberman, uh, you mentioned that uh, they talked about the legality and, and what should happen and the fact that the poll workers are the final arbiter of who should be uh, allowed to cast a ballot. If you are a voter, if you uh, are in a, you're an African-American, you're a student, uh, a Latino, in one of these communities are, are sort of disproportionately targeted – what steps should you take? Uh, should you know? Is there any identification or forms that need to be brought uh, to the polls? Absolutely. Thanks for for mentioning that. Um, well, first of all, if you believe that you're a registered voter at that polling place, you have a right to assist at that and and demand that the poll worker um, double check. Check the roster, the precinct roster. Call down to the election board so they can look you up. Um, And if all else fails, the voter has a right to uh, execute an affidavit at the poll saying why they think that they're eligible, and they can appeal any decision to deny you a regular ballot. Okay. But stepping back from that, when you just show up at the polls, 
you do need to bring identification with you. Uh, Missouri law requires all people to present ID in order to vote. And that's so they can assure that you are who, who the person in the poll books um, is listed as. Um, but there's a lot of misinformation around the voter ID laws. Many people think that a photo ID or a driver's license is required. And that's not true. Uh, any government document that contains the voter's name and address is legitimate, so even a utility bill or a bank statement's valid ID. Of course, your driver's license is ID. Um, even if your driver's license is from another state, that's okay. And notably for students, a student ID from any institution in Missouri is valid ID. Students have sometimes faced problems in the past by poll workers who didn't understand that a student ID is valid in order to vote in Missouri. Right. I think even, uh, wasn't it just a couple years ago at the Washington University campus where there was um, a lot of, uh, there were a lot of students who were uh, being told that they weren't, <laughs> they weren't eligible to vote and that turned out to not be correct if I, if I remember it right? That's, that's right. And, you know, young people um, tend to experience difficulties at the polls um, nationwide in part because um they may have out-of-state driver's licenses. But as long as you are a resident of the state of Missouri, which you are when you're attending college or technical school here, then you have a right to register and vote in the state of Missouri. Okay. Um, we are going to take a quick, um, do a quick public service announcement, and we will be right back with Denise Lieberman of the Advancement Project. Thank you. You want your event promoted across campus? Oh, I love it. The U is offering PSAs for your student organization. How do you do it? Have your event promoted to the entire campus through our station. That is what they do. Need more info? Visit www.omsoradio.com slash PSA. Uh, we are back, uh, and we're here uh, with uh, Denise Lieberman, uh, who is the um, uh, senior attorney for the Advanced Project. Uh, and uh, we're discussing uh, voter uh, sort of in efforts of voter intimidation uh, uh, that could occur uh, and are sort of on the horizon in this upcoming election and how to prevent that. Adam, uh, go ahead. You have another question. Oh, well, uh, let's see. I was just, I was just um, thinking as, as I was on the way over here, of some, I was trying to remember some of the specific instances, and I think uh, even right next door in Illinois – um, there were some reports about, um, I think, Senate candidate Mark Kirk yes, um, yeah. being, you know, uh, on audio discussing some efforts of how people um, doing some poll challenging. And uh, so I was just curious, is there, have we been hearing anything about St. Louis specifically for poll challenging or, um, uh, you know, are, do we have any reason to believe that St. Louis specifically will be, will be targeted um, or, uh, I don't know, what, what are your thoughts on yeah, uh, we have uh, seen some evidence that um, there will be aggressive um, challenging of voters' eligibility at the polls in St. Louis. Um, now, challengers are nothing new, so I don't want to scare people who might think, oh, no, there's going to be people at the polls who can challenge me. Um, 
it's legal for each political party to have challengers placed at the polls. What the concern is, is when they go, when they cross the line, when they aggressively make challenges, when they're poorly trained on the circumstances in which you can challenge a voter's eligibility, and when poll workers are um, intimidated by their presence and end up denying eligible voters the right to cast a ballot. But in tight races across the country, including right here in the St. Louis area, we do expect to see an increase in the aggressiveness with which um, voters' eligibility is being challenged. But voters who have any questions at all can get help. Mm-hmm. Our election protection efforts here in St. Louis include um, dozens of attorneys and poll watchers who are going to be on hand on election day to talk to voters directly. We have a toll-free number. It's completely nonpartisan, exists solely to ensure that voters have a right to cast a ballot. We're here to answer any questions, and we can you can talk to a lawyer in real time by calling us. We can dispatch attorneys to the polling place to assist voters or provide them with information. Any questions about your right to vote, please call us at one eight six six our vote. That's one eight six 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 eight seven eight six eight three. In fact, you might see some of our folks at the polls on election day. They'll mm-hmm. be wearing vests that say, "You have the right to vote." Uh-huh. I remember. I remember. <laughs> and some they of will. Those they will be vests, armed yeah. with information about voters' rights. They're there to answer questions. They're not there for any candidate. They're not there for any ballot issue. Their only purpose for being there is to help voters feel comfortable navigating the voting process. They're there to answer your questions, and we've got lawyers on hand all day ready to help if you experience any problems at the polls. If you're turned away, if you're being asked for um, improper identification, if your eligibility is challenged, if you're being made to cast a provisional ballot and you don't think that you should have to, mm-hmm. come talk to one of our monitors or call us at one eight six six our vote one eight six six our vote Okay, so that sounds really helpful. Um, I hope that people will be sharing this uh, far and wide with their friends, too, because this seems like the kind of thing where um, if we have a whole bunch of people who know about that number, then it would definitely appear to reduce uh, yeah. the likelihood of, uh, of this kind of incident occurring. So uh, thank That's you for right. that. right. And um, the earlier that we can find out about a problem at a polling place, um, the quicker we're going to be able to get resolved by engaging in advocacy with the election officials. Uh, we've been working, our attorneys have been working with um, the, the local election officials and the Secretary of State's office all year in preparation for this day, um, planning for possible issues and problems that may occur and having a chain of, uh, channel of communication to quickly resolve any issues that come up on election day. Okay. And uh, so that's a, a good phone number. What about people who might want to uh, check out on the web, like some kind of voters' rights um, information or um, something like that? Is there a website for for the group you're working with? Or certainly, um, the Our Vote Live website has a lot of valuable information. But for Missouri-specific information, we'd encourage you to go to the the Secretary of State's website. Oh. Uh, has lots. It's it's very user friendly. There's a few things that voters can do to help reduce the 
possibility that they'll face challenges at the polls. And one of those is going to that website and entering your name into the voter database um, to confirm that you are registered and to confirm the location of your polling place. If you have any questions about your registration, if you're not sure if you're registered or where you're supposed to vote, you should contact your local election board. If you live in St. Louis City, that number is 622-4336. And if you live in St. Louis County, that number is 615-1800. Knowing your registration status and more importantly, knowing where you're registered to vote is really important because you're only allowed to cast a ballot in Missouri in the polling place that serves you, your residents. So you have to be in the right polling place. Um, if you're not, they're not going to be able to find your name on the poll books, and they might end up giving you a provisional ballot, which won't count if, in fact, you weren't in the right place to begin with. And so if you experience any problems when you show up, they can't find your name in the rolls, the poll worker is supposed to call down to the election board and check. Check your registration. Check to see where you're supposed to vote and then direct you to that correct polling place. And you can always go to election board headquarters and cast a ballot that will count as well. Oh, really? So, so for example, if you lived in St. Louis County, you could go to the election board headquarters and cast a ballot there? Is that what you're saying? If you live in St. Louis, that that's absolutely right. Mm -hmm. If all else fails, call us at one eight six six our vote we have access to the voter registration database. We can look up your registration and tell you where your polling place is. Okay. Um, great. Um, that sounds excellent. So um, we are going to uh, make sure to put this up um, on a podcast. Uh, we'll put the, the MP3 up um, in a little bit, and we will make sure to include some of those websites um, for folks and make sure uh, to include that number and hopefully really get the word out um, for people uh, about how they can – how they can make sure that their vote is counted. So, um, anything is there? Uh, is there a Facebook book, uh, Facebook group, or anything, uh, Denise, that you know of? That's you know, like know your rights or anything like that. Or uh, uh. so there's the election protection. You can look up election protection on Facebook. Okay. Um, we will be giving a crash course on voter rights tomorrow evening oh, um, for people who want to join us in volunteering to to help give information to voters <laughs> or just anyone who would feel more comfortable knowing a little bit more information about their rights. Uh -huh. Again, this is completely nonpartisan. Uh, we'll have a 30 to 45-minute crash course on Missouri voting rights from 5.30 p.m. at Central Reform Congregation 5020 Waterman at the intersection of Waterman and Kings Highway. Okay. Anyone who's interested in information about their rights can, can get it there. We'll have copies of the Voter Bill of Rights available for people to take, uh, and we'll be available to answer your questions. That sounds excellent. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for uh, joining us, and we will uh, make sure to get all this information up, and uh, hopefully people will pass it around because it's very important You know that everyone at least knows uh, how to vote and uh, hopefully exercise that right as well. So thanks so much, uh, Denise, for, for joining us today. Yes, yeah, thank yeah, you, Professor Liebman. <laughs> it, it's nice to nice to hear you again, Kevin. Yeah, yes, one, one, one last thing: if if you're right. if you 
go and vote after work. We First of all, we encourage people to, to try and get voting out of the way early in the day to avoid those long lines that occur at the end of the day. But something a lot of people don't know, if you show up by the time the polls close at 7 p.m., even if there's a line, you have a right to vote. Oh, yeah. Polls are open on Tuesday from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. If you are in line, uh-huh. you arrive by the time the polls close, you have a right to vote regardless of when they actually get to you. Oh, so if you're talking to someone and there's only 10 minutes left to vote and they say, oh, I'm too late, they're, maybe they're not, right? So they're not. As, as long as they get there by 7 o'clock, they can vote. Okay. And voters who need help can get help. If you have problems with the electronic voting machines, um, you can request assistance from a, the poll workers, or you can take a, a paper ballot and run it through the Scantron. You're not required to use the electronic voting machines. If you have a disability that prevents you from going inside the poll, poll workers have to come out to your car with a ballot and let you vote from your car. There are numerous other uh, accommodations that um, are made for people who need assistance. If you need assistance reading or writing the ballot, if English isn't your first language, you can bring any person of your choice, including a, a child, into the polling place with you to help you cast your ballot. Yeah, very good. Very good to know. Um, any other uh, last-minute tips? You've got uh, a lot of great ones uh, already. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, anything else people should know about? people can do is check their registration status mm-hmm. uh, and make sure that they have a form of identification with them when they go to vote. Uh, and remember our number, one eight six six our vote Yes. We're not here for any issue or any candidate. We're just here to make sure that people who are eligible to vote are allowed to do so. All right. Sounds great. Yeah. Well, thanks again so much. And uh, we will be putting this uh, MP3 up as soon as we can. And uh, I hope uh, wish you luck on Tuesday and tomorrow night with the training. Uh, make sure that everything goes well. So, yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much for, for having me, Adam. Uh, nice talking with you, Kevin. Yes, nice talking with you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks. Take Absolutely. Okay. Bye. Um, all right. So uh, that was a very interesting conversation and a huge amount of useful information there from uh, Denise uh, that we will definitely be putting up. Um, I think... I don't know. This seems like an issue that um, could be a, a, a huge issue. I didn't really want to, uh, since Denise is part of a, a nonpartisan group, I didn't really want to get into some to of the acorn my and, specific and, uh, yeah, complaints. Yeah. But and, um, and who who is actually making a lot of the challenges uh, to uh, the uh, voter registration to uh, voters registration? Uh, it's it is definitely um, you know being targeted at areas that um, have a lot of. Uh, historically have voted um, for Democrats in the past. And so, uh, you know, uh, there there's a lot of concern, particularly because this is a midterm election. A lot of people already aren't necessarily motivated to come out and vote. And so if there's a complication or if there's a problem, somebody official in the suit comes in uh, very articulate and tells them that they can't vote, you know, they may or may not challenge that and they may or may not pursue that uh, and say, no, I ha- this is my right. They might just say, you know what, I'm just going to go home. I don't have time to deal with this. Uh, so it doesn't really take very much. Uh, and it's it's unfortunate that, that um, you know, you have these these uh, issues, but, you know, it's politics. That, that's a part of the political process. And some people might not, don't want to uh, play by the rules. 
Yeah, and I, I was just going to mention specifically, um, uh, I know in Wisconsin, um, a group had done sort of an investigation, and they found out that there was um, some coordination going on between uh, Tea Party groups um, and American Majority and I think the state Republican Party where basically um, the uh, so some of the groups would send out you know letters to people's addresses and see if they got returned or not. And then the Tea Party group would sort of be responsible for challenging um, a lot of the ballots and, you know, being uh, being the sort of poll challenging people uh, like uh, Denise Lieberman was talking about, um, which is interesting since in St. Louis we have a very active Tea Party group who yeah. um, are known to be supporting uh, Ed Martin. Mm-hmm. And Ed Martin actually used to be um, the, uh, the head of the St. Louis County Board of Elections, and he actually has formed a group called um, the Count Every Vote unit so um he uh which so, which is is that what what is that what is the goal of the uh, organization oh let's see so i'm re- i'm looking at it right now so it's a, a it's a, he's spearheading according to his website he's quote spearheading a special project aimed at um fighting voter fraud and, and um, ed martin of course is running against uh russ carnahan in a in the the uh congressman russ carnahan in the uh, third congressional district of Missouri, which is south and uh, central St. Louis area, but go ahead. Yeah. So, anyways, um, you know, and and his uh, <laughs> his uh, uh, press release on this, uh, interestingly, uh, is bringing up Acorn like every other sentence. Yeah. So, yeah. so he's obviously sort of positioning this as um, an issue where he's going to be trying to challenge challenge people voting um, and um, trying to. You know, alleging that people who shouldn't be voting are going to be voting, which of course um, there hasn't been very much evidence of that, in my opinion. So, so I think it's very interesting in relation to uh, what Denise Lieberman was talking about. Um, but uh, we well, let's go ahead and take yeah. a quick station break, and we'll be back with our, our next guest, a special guest, uh, in the next half hour. Forcing students, faculty, and staff to hear us daily. Oh, stop. We know you love us for it. Okay, you win. The U. Okay, we are are back. back. Uh, This is uh, St. Louis Activist Hub Radio, and uh, our first guest was Denise Lieberman of the Advanced Project. She's a senior attorney there, uh, and we were talking about uh, some of the efforts of voter intimidation. Uh, and uh, just talking about, um, uh, you know, where it, a lot of these efforts are coming from, and specifically intimidation by the way of vo- uh, voting challenges. Uh, and uh, we're, we, um, you know, we're talking about where some of the challenges were coming from, uh, and specifically, you know, from the Ed Martin campaign, uh, where, um, you know, he is a former uh, St. Louis uh, County Board of Elections official, in fact, the chairman uh, there. And so, you know, I found that particularly interesting that, that now uh, he's involved, uh, you know, and he's basically using the canard of ACORN. Uh, and I hate to, you know, to uh, to be so strong in that way, use the word canard. But, you know, just, just reviewing the evidence and the fact that uh, over a dozen um, Attorney generals have investigated Acorn, uh, you know, and mo- much of the allegations have proven to be untrue against them. And you know, it, it's been very unfortunate that now you have that sort of specter 
of Acorn, uh, you know, coming up. Uh, but uh, Adam, want to introduce our next guest who will be on the air? Uh, yeah, looks like um, Congressman Russ Carnahan is going to be joining us in just a second. Um, Congressman Carnahan, are, are you there? there? Hold on just a second. Oh. I'm going to grab him. Oh, hey, okay. Uh, Here you go. Thanks. Hi, Adam. Hey, ah. Congressman Carnahan. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm uh, here with my co-host, uh, Kevin Wolf, and hey. we, uh, we hear you've been uh, knocking on some doors today. Is yes. that, that hey, right? Congressman Carnahan, uh, this is Kevin Wolf. Hi, Kevin. How are you doing? Very good. Very good. Uh, so so have you? Uh, I hear you've been knocking on some doors today. Is that right? We've been uh, knocking on doors. We uh, went to a get-out-the-vote rally in Forest Park today. Oh, yeah. uh, we've just been been all over the place, uh, crisscrossing uh, the district. Uh, we were down in Jefferson County uh, yesterday. And so it's, it's a big district. It goes from the uh, urban core of the city to suburban areas to more rural areas down south along the Mississippi River all the way down to the wine country down in St. Genevieve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I actually uh, just missed you yesterday. I got to the uh, rally to restore sanity in St. Louis a little <laughs> late, but I heard you had been there earlier. People were very excited to uh, to have seen you there. So, uh, and I and I appreciated all of the uh, people that were pro sanity there. <laughs> yeah, you more than anyone might uh, might appreciate that since yeah. <laughs> some yeah. of some of the things I've seen uh, from people uh, opposing you would not fall under the category of sanity. So, um, but anyways, uh, so this, uh, this program is uh, student activist radio. Um, and there are a number of issues that you work on, um, that, um, relate very closely to things students, that students yeah. care about. Um, and particularly, uh, I think you have a, a great effort, uh, on environmental issues and, um, and thinking a lot about how to, um, sort of move our country to a more sustainable, um, sort of use of energy, um, having a better transportation infrastructure. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about um, just what some of the efforts um, have been uh, that you've made um, in terms of um, working towards a sort of a, a greener economy and um, and uh, what some of the things you think uh, are going to happen in the future are. Yeah, that really has to be one of our top national priorities. Um, we have to do it for our economic interest, but also this is part of our national security interest and our environmental interest. So it, it really is an, has an across-the-board impact. Uh, weaning ourselves off a dangerous dependence of, of foreign fuels, uh, but also fuels that are harming the environment. And I think we're making important strides to uh, make movement. I've been uh, taking a lead role in particular uh, in the area of green buildings, uh, organized and and co-chair of the High Performance Buildings Caucus in the Congress. and was really inspired to do that by a green building conference that we hosted here in St. Louis a few years ago uh, and to see the advances that have been made. And a lot of those technologies uh, businesses have really come around to see that they can get a payoff in three to five years to their bottom line by making these kind of improvements. And the vast majority of the improvements, whether it's uh, windows or 
heating and air conditioning systems are made by U.S. companies, by U.S. workers. So it has tremendous multiplier effect throughout our economy. So there's smart kind of investments that I think we need to be making. Congressman, uh, with those investments that you've advocated for, you know, if the election, um, you know, uh, goes the other, goes the wrong way and, and some of the folks on the other side gain control uh, of, of at least one House of Congress, what would happen to those programs? How would they fare? Well, some of these programs do have good bipartisan support. The, the High Performance Building Caucus I work on has members from both sides of the aisle. But there are many on the other side of the aisle that have, frankly, been in lockstep with big oil and have really tried to uh, slow or block advances to renewable power. And, and frankly, I think that's been – that's really – has held our country back when folks from the oil industry were uh, in charge of the country during the Bush administration – uh, that frankly slowed our progress. And we've seen countries like China make uh, great advances. And if we do not get back in the game, we could find ourselves buying uh, the best green technologies from overseas instead of making them here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and you outlined, you know, in advocating uh, on environmental issues, the economy, national security, and defense, as well as the environment, which are sort of, you know, three of the most important issues, if not the most important issues that Americans have on their minds. How do you combat the criticism, you know, particularly when it comes to, you know, when when someone hears the environment, they hear climate change and they hear, you know, uh, a hippie liberal and and tree hugging. And and how how do you sort of combat that? Uh, Because, you know, in my, as you've outlined, it's, it's so important to get some of these uh, initiatives off the ground, uh, and yet there's, there's a tremendous amount of it resistance. Uh, there is, but I've seen, uh, I think, some important changes. When we have some of the top military leaders in our country that are advocating for uh, greener technologies and to become more energy independent, uh, to get us out of areas where there's great conflicts in the world over oil, um, that I think there's been a big shift. And so uh, I think it's important to make those points, that it's, it's about the economy, it's about the environment, it's about our security. Uh, all those things together uh, are part of, I think, a growing national priority of, of, of making changes here. Yeah, I, I wanted to say I thought, um, I mean, uh, obviously uh, climate change is something I care a lot about, and yes. it's a pretty big issue, although contentious. But um, also, uh, I mean, I've noticed that one of the a lot of the things that you've worked on, I feel, um, are things that really all people, are, you know, most people would agree on are very practical, reasonable mm-hmm. approaches. Um, you know, no matter what sort of side of the ideological spectrum you you fall on, um, you were a, a supporter of the of the good proposition A to um, <laughs> yeah, to uh, improve um, public transportation in St. Louis. Um, I know you've worked a lot on um, sort of. Uh, infrastructure issues. I saw you uh, at the Tivoli a few months ago uh, on a panel. We had just watched uh, Beyond the Motor City uh, movie. So um, it seems like you you do a great job of taking a lot of uh, very practical steps uh, in terms of... Well, well, thank you. But there's, you know, uh, infrastructure investments, they don't maybe sound sexy, but they're one (laughs) of the best ways we can make um, 
investments of public and private dollars that create jobs and multiply throughout our economy and make you know our uh, communities stronger for the future and that's why i've been so pleased to you know we fought for many of these investments like um the high speed rail announcements to improve the rail service around st louis mm-hmm. uh the new mississippi river bridge improvements on you know the lock the uh, locks and dams on the mississippi the flood wall along the Mississippi downtown, all those things uh, have a major impact. And, and of course, uh, you know, the, the trolley announcement out in the University City loop. Yeah. And where we've seen these kind of investments made, they've been like economic magnets where existing businesses have grown and they've attracted new businesses. So uh, they're smart investments and they make a big difference in our communities. Congressman, you mentioned uh, some of the the funding uh, that's come out of the stimulus package for transportation, which the Obama stimulus package, uh, which has been sort of in the craw of your opponent and certainly quite a few people across the nation. What are, you know, what what have been sort of the top three things, if you could tell a voter uh, that the stimulus package has done uh, to improve uh, jobs and create jobs and to improve the United States? Well, first of all, uh, we had to take measures to stop the economy from going off the economic cliff into a full-scale depression. Uh, So certainly it's been an important part of that. Uh, Hmm. But secondly, I would say the tax cuts that were implemented as a major part of that package for 95% of Americans and over 75% of American businesses. Uh, and then the third piece is just those actual investments in infrastructure that have helped save and create jobs throughout our communities. So uh, it, to me, it's been an important part of the overall strategy. And, you know, I worked with our local business community leaders uh, to look at really local strategies, how we can continue to grow our economy here. And the other important piece is, you know, we ended tax breaks that some companies have been using to outsource jobs overseas. And we use that savings to create a small business lending program that is going to help back up lending from community banks, from SBA lending, so that our small businesses that are wanting to expand that business or buy that new equipment or hire those new employees, it's going to help them do that. Great. Um, uh, that sounds like an excellent program. Um, I, I wanted to switch subjects a little bit. Um, knowing a lot of uh, students uh, who are, are, it seems like more and more we've been, we're faced with um, really extremely high tuition rates yeah. and students yeah. are getting out of college yeah. uh, with, with a lot debt. of debt. Yeah. Um, and so I was just wondering if, um, if you could talk a little bit about the steps that have been taken to help fix that problem. I know you've been sort of working on this. Um, so could you could you say a little more about how you've been addressing this issue? Absolutely. This is an issue that's near and dear to my heart because uh, as a student, uh, I couldn't have gone through college uh, if I hadn't been able to use uh, student loan programs. So it were very beneficial to my education. Uh, but we've seen, as you mentioned, um, tuition rates going up and, um, you know, more and more difficult for students to uh, to afford the student loans. We made the biggest overhaul in a generation in the student loan program uh, to do uh, direct lending 
that would help bring the interest rates down to help improve grants and uh, in a way that's going to help access and, and keep the cost down for, for students trying to get in college and stay in college. So I think that's been really one of the important things that we've worked on during this past session of Congress. Okay. Uh, Congressman, uh, we just wanted to take a quick station break, and then uh, we can, can you uh, join us uh, uh, for a little bit more, and we can continue this discussion? Uh, I, I can for a bit longer, yes. Sure. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Great. We'll take a quick station break then, and we will be back with Congressman Carnahan from Missouri's 3rd District. Want to know what's going on at the U? Check out the U News, your source for everything. Well, everything related with the U, with your host, Tiffany Axton. Hello, Facebook. I'm Tiffany Axton, and I'm here hosting your U News. Join our Facebook page by searching for the U Umsol Student Radio. That is awesome. That is the kind of attitude that I love. Then sit back and enjoy the greatness that is the U News. I'm just going to hang out with the Senator of Missouri. You'll be glad you did. Okay, uh, this is uh, Student Activist Radio, uh, and for those listeners who are just tuning in, uh, we are talking with uh, Russ Carnahan, uh, the congressman from Missouri's uh, 3rd District. Um, congressman, I wanted to ask, uh, you know, after the, the November election, uh, we, we still will have to wake up with, you know, an economy that has a high unemployment rate, and a lot of people are suffering, particularly uh, African-Americans, Hispanics, people from all uh, walks of life. Uh, what what steps do you think uh, can be taken um, to improve the, the, the economy uh, and to sort of build on some of the stuff, some of the things you mentioned, the tax breaks uh, for, lo- for low-income and working uh, uh, families uh, and the environmental and transportation and infrastructure investments? What types of things can be uh, done in the new Congress? Yeah, well, first I want to acknowledge that, you know, the, the unemployment rate has been uh, flat, uh, and it, but it has uh, been especially uh, difficult on uh, minorities, but also young people. Yeah. Um, and I think it's important to continue on these strategies. We've, you know, the economy is growing. Uh, we've had nine straight months of private sector job growth and four straight quarters of GDP growth. Uh, so it is growing, but it's just been slow. I mean, we all want to continue this. But as you mentioned, I think of the key strategies that we have focused on have been those tax breaks we mentioned, the small business lending. That's been one of the biggest challenges as I talk to small businesses out there. Um, also to uh, continue a program that's been a national program to uh, double exports. Uh, within the next five years uh, that the president launched. We have some great opportunities here in the St. Louis region to take advantage of that. And uh, also those infrastructure investments, those have been key uh, in areas like St. Louis, being in the the central part of the country where we're a distribution center. And, you know, between the Port of St. Louis along the river, the uh, Midwest China Air Freight Hub, the investments in rail, uh, the, you know, we can't drive around St. Louis without seeing orange cones and orange cones and detours everywhere uh, because of the work going on. So those are things that I think altogether 
are going to continue to help this economy grow and um, and continue to make improvements. But we have to we cannot let up because there still are people out there that are having a tough time. Um. Well, uh, we know that you're pretty busy campaigning, yeah. um, so we don't want to we don't want to take up too much of your time. But thank you so much for uh, for joining us yes, tonight. Thank it you was very a, much. a real honor to yes. uh, be able to speak with you. And uh, uh, I know you're uh, working hard out there. So, uh, well, it's great um, to be able to take a few minutes with you all tonight, and um, appreciate what you do to keep your listeners informed. Yes. I look forward to being back on your show. Okay. Oh, thank absolutely. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, good luck, Congressman. Yes. All right. Take care. Good night. Talk to you later. Good night. Okay. Bye. Good night. Uh, for those listeners who are just uh, tuning in, that was Congressman Russ Carnahan, um, who uh, graciously um, has uh, come on the show for an interview to, to uh, talk about some of the issues affecting Missouri's third congressional district that uh, he represents. Um, and, you know, I think what I took out of the took out of the statements that he made um a, a part of what wh- a part of which um struck me was the uh message about the economy and what's been uh, the what the administration and the stimulus package and the initiatives that they have worked on have done to help uh, move the economy you have seen growth and that's oftentimes overlooked you've actually seen the private sector uh creating um some jobs but it's just at a very very slow rate and that suggests that you need, you know, a stronger infusion of the type of investments in infrastructure. Uh, you need, you know, some other policies uh, that can sort of lift off the, the, the uh, tax burden on the working uh, families of the United States and middle class. You know, and, uh, you know, as he, as he mentioned, uh, you know, those are the types of policies going forward that, that can help the economy. I'm not, you know— that my biggest concern is that going into the next election, uh, you know, uh, if the um, Tea Party and, and and some of those folks get in, with the message that the government is bad, you know, uh, it's illegitimate, uh, you know, spending is bad and it needs to be cut. That type of mentality can be disastrous for the economy, and and it's oh. going to be very difficult uh, to to move you know, some of the other policies um, uh, ahead. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And yeah. I mean, we've seen, I mean, some of the, the leaders of the Republican Party have sort of, they've basically just stated that their goal is to derail the yeah, presidency. Do, do we have that clip actually of, of, of Senator Mc, of um, the Republican leader of the United States Senate um, who, you know, essentially said his goal is to, derail the presidency and not to work constructively. Uh, you know, and that's, in my view, you know, a tough prospect to look at waking up in the morning, you know, after, uh, you know, on Wednesday on November 3rd, that, that we're, we're in such uh, dire straits um, uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, the economy, uh, you know, the, particularly for, you know, students, minorities, African-Americans, Hispanics, uh, and to have that type of attitude um, coming out of the opposition party, which, you know, unless, you know, there's a huge upset, is expected to gain uh, significant power in Washington, you know, will just be unfortunate and, and will be very dangerous. And, and you know, it amazes me that we've had, they have not changed their message. They've said, in fact, they, they've come out and said, we want to extend 
President Bush's tax policies. We want to extend President Bush's financial regulation policy. Not a single Republican um, in the House of Representatives or in the Senate, uh, you know, uh, supported um, the financial reform package. With that type of, you know, record, that we, we've had that for the past, for, for eight years preceding President Obama. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what we saw is the biggest financial crisis in history. Uh, you, you saw a recession at the beginning of the president's administration, high unemployment uh, that continued along uh, through the Iraq war and ending out with, you know, a, with a, a high unemployment rate. And so, you know, that that meant and really, you know, what what we're seeing now is President Obama has pushed through the stimulus package, which even economists who are, you know, in line with the Tea Party have noted has created uh you know, millions of jobs uh, and uh, has actually prevented the empl- unemployment rate from going higher, which would have been an effect from from the Bush administration's policies. Uh, you know, it's amazing to me that what we're hearing is more of the same, and yet that is so appe- that is so appealing uh, to, you know, uh, the Tea Party and, and, and their folks. It's not a f- breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really, you know, a- an unchanged message from the Bush administration. And, in fact, Mitch McConnell, last time I checked, he was, you know, in the Senate leadership when President Bush was there, and so was John Boehner in the House leadership. Uh, and both of them stand to gain power on the idea that they will be a breath of fresh air to Washington. Yeah. And I expect the American people, you know, will be very surprised when they see the type of leadership uh, that comes in. One where you have a return to Clintonism, a return to investigating the president over minute and piddly issues and not addressing the serious problems that affect this nation. Right. Uh, so I, I couldn't find the audio clip, but, um, oh, okay. but I have, I have the, <laughs> I the exact that. quote from uh, Mitch McConnell, a senator, a Republican senator from uh, Kentucky, um, who said, quote, the single most important thing we want to achieve is for President Obama to be a one-term president. So to me, that just sort of indicates that the Republican Party, you know, have not been negotiating in good faith, right? They're not really even putting the interests of the American people ahead of this goal of, you know, derail, you know, because, you know, he could have said our goal is to help America, yeah. but he said our goal is to make sure President Obama loses. And I think, I, I mean, I agree with everything you've been saying, Kevin, and I feel like that's what we've seen these last two years is Republicans basically not caring about the environment maybe even wanting the or not not only the environment the economy maybe yeah. even wanting the economy to, to fail save, you know they, they well, do a they happy did, dance every know, time we, there's bad economic yeah, news, you've so. seen rush limbaugh who has t- tremendous influence in the republican party he's only a talk radio show host but uh you know republicans go there and bend at knee and he has 20 million listeners and uh he said, I want the president to fail. I want his policies to fail. And that would mean the economy would fail. That's what mm-hmm. he said. Now, right. he had partisan reasons for believing that, but the fact remains that that was his goal, to have the economy. The, the president wanted his, the president's policies uh, were projecting economic growth, and Rush Limbaugh wanted that to fail so that he could win the election. And you, what you've seen is Mitch McConnell say the same thing transparently. The goal is, no matter what Obama's goal is, uh, he must fail so that he looks bad and that people lose confidence in him and so on and so forth. Uh, and I think that that type of mentality, you know, the Demo- a lot of folks in the press have said, 
you know, the Democrats, uh, the Democratic Party um, has, you know, does the same thing when Bush was in power. And I don't think they did that at all. The Iraq war, Hillary Clinton voted for the Iraq war, which was Bush, the crown jewel of the President Bush's foreign policy. Uh, You know, you saw, you know, numerous Democrats vote for the Bush tax uh, policy uh, that was disastrous for uh, the the uh, economy. You saw numerous Democrats support uh, Bush, you know, efforts to uh, on Medicare, uh, on the Bush energy policy, more oil drilling. Those were those were fairly, um, you know, those were things that attracted a lot of blue dog conservative Democratic support. It wasn't people trying to sabotage the Bush administration in, by any means. Right. And and just to use as an example, uh, you know, Congressman Carnahan, who we were just speaking with, um, you know, uh, he has been, I mean, he's just a guy, yeah. you know, whether you can argue about whether he's as progressive as some people yeah. want or, or as centrist as some people want, yeah. but he's someone who's legitimately working to try to make the country better. That's the type of leadership that, that you need. Uh, uh, in in Washington, so I, I guess that uh, we're we're out of time uh, here, and uh, you know that hour went blue uh, past. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so quickly. I uh, really quickly, uh, Adam and I uh, will be uh, ha- holding an election night uh, show, um, and uh, we will more information on that will be on uh, the our blog or Adam's blog. Uh, St. Louis activist, stlactivisthub.blogspot.com. Uh, and uh, uh, we probably will have some sort of live recording uh, and whatever snippets we get, uh, you know, from our election night coverage, we'll probably bring in next week uh, as well. And, and we're going to have to discuss the fallout uh, uh, from, from some of those things and, and, you know, discuss the reality. (laughs) I'm hoping not, but, uh, uh, (laughs) keep, keep hope alive, but, uh, you know, I, I also had to be realistic. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for tuning in, uh, people. This is Adam Schreiber and uh, Kevin Wolf, uh, and you've been listening to St. Louis Activist Hub Radio.